it's the next level. Hmm? Ah! Oh. I have to. If I don't... I'm all messed up inside. You know what? This is our best chance. There's no chance. you give up I know you made a promise let you talk let me Welcome, Survivors, back into this episode 12 of We Have to Go Back, Lost Revisited from the Next Level Podcast Network. I am Ben Beck. From Podcastka, I'm Kristen Howell. And we're back to it. We are almost finished with season one. I think we have four more weeks of us uh, before we get to, before we're wrapping up season one, I think. it's uh, How many episodes do we have left? I think there's one more of There's the two more before Exodus begins, I think. Yeah, I know. Because next... Exodus is three, three episodes. Um, right? y- yeah, it's yeah, it's uh, well, it was a two part finale. And the second part was two hours. So it was technically three episodes. Yeah. But so there's five, actually, because there's. So, yeah, so that would be four weeks because we have. Uh, four weeks after this, there's uh, what's uh, next week is the greater good. Born to Run is after that, and then we're doing Exodus Part One, and then we're doing Exodus Part Two, One and Two. It's weird. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like people have already turned it off. I know. I. I, <laughs> I... This has been such an exciting beginning to this week's podcast. I know. I, I apologize. I apologize ahead just, of time. Listening to you just think. It's, not, it's, <laughs> it's, well, I mean, people should keep tuning in because it's not every day you can physically hear a train derail. <laughs> <laughs> and that's exactly what our listeners just got for the past two minutes. Yeah, there was you go. trying Perfect. to come up with a great intro towards the end of the the, towards the end of us talking about season one and um yeah uh, train I had, off the tracks it's cool. i had a glass of wine with lunch so <laughs> I, but so yet we're good. but yet it's still my fault that yep, this train well, derailed so it's, i i can't explain yours sorry <laughs> uh no but this week we're going to be talking about uh episode 
20. Episode 20. That's it. My mind went blank. Do no harm. Here, let me start. There you go. This go for episode, it. we right. continue on as we review and break down two <laughs> more episodes of the first season. One more episode of the first season. Episode 20, do no harm. We're a train wreck today. This is awesome. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Oh, it's all right. This is what happens when you go weekly and you have to keep to a schedule now. But, but we are we are a spoiler-filled podcast. I'm just going to keep going. Yeah. We are a spoiler-filled podcast. We do one a week now, whereas we did two uh, two episodes per episode. Uh, we have switched over to a weekly format, which is a little bit easier and for me a lot more fun. Yeah. Yeah. So, well. and I believe that we uh, publish every Friday. So happy Friday, everybody who listens the day it comes out. And for those of you who's also celebrating, happy payday, because I'm sure many of you, uh, it will be payday on Friday as well. It's payday. Those are always good days. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, every episode we are going to break down one of the next episodes of the season of Lost, still currently in season one. And for right now, until we finish out season one, we're only going to do a top three. Once we get into season two, though, we are going to uh, start breaking down into a top five moments of the episode because there's going to be a lot more uh, to break down to each episode once we get into those. And hopefully into season two as well, we're going to start bringing on some uh, guest hosts, which I think is going to be a lot of fun. So we we already have a couple people lined up that we know we're going to reach out to to uh, to guest host with us as we go through. But if you are interested in being a co-host of one of the episodes, very simply, just wait until listen in at the end of the podcast to hear all of our contact information. And that'll be how you can get a hold of us and let us know that you want to you want to come on. There you go. So, uh, but yeah, so episode 20 of season one, do no harm. Let's just get right into it before we start derailing more trains and talking about some other stuff that we really don't need to be talking about on this podcast. Let's save that for later. Okay. Uh, yeah. So, you know, we, we do have a lot to talk about or, you know, it's this episode is different to me and I'm going to kick off the top three this week, if you don't mind. I don't. And I'm going to kick it off with my number three and... My number three is what I mean by this episode is very different in that this episode, we're 20 episodes in. This is the first time I think all season we are getting a very straightforward, nothing mysterious. This is pure drama. There's really nothing to overanalyze this episode, at least not that I came across. You might feel differently. Well, so there were, I mean, there were like a couple of like numbers that came about. Um, you know, Sarah, Sarah Shepard was wearing a white t-shirt with, with a 44. Uh, black numbers of white and black 44 and the number eight. Oh, uh, uh Jack's groomsman, his best friend said that he was going to drink eight drinks. That's about it, though. Yeah, but I think I, that might be, I think, the truest sense of overanalyzing. I mean, well, trust me. yeah, I mean, there there was more too. there was, you know, the sense of uh, Jack and his father sharing uh, a liquid in a glass bottle when uh, Jacob and the man in black uh, share liquid in a glass bottle later. So it could be, you know, foreshadowing for the man in black and the protector of the island, um, you know. So but that's all like you said, that's all very overanalyzing. Um, but as far as just the episode, as far as uh, a, a standalone, I would agree. This is very straightforward. There was literally two things to focus on and that was life and death uh 
very bluntly. Yeah. Um, and it was incredible. I thought it was a, a great send off for Boone. Um, I thought it was, uh, you know, woven together very nicely with Claire. I, I agree. It was it was a good standalone straight drama episode. Yeah. And it's one of the things that I think the writers were very smart to do in, you know, showing that not only can they bring these mysteries to the forefront, but, you know, they were able to set them aside for an episode and actually be able to tell a story. Uh, you mm -hmm. know, they were able to further progress these characters, at least a couple of the characters, without revealing more questions that the audience was going to have throughout. I mean, there was no black smoke monster. There was no hatch, no John Locke, uh, you know, no planes falling from, from cliffs or, you know, what the mist, where the plane came from. This was literally an episode of one character giving birth and another group of characters trying to save another character's life. And in essence, as you mentioned, this is purely, this episode was no mystery. It was purely life and death. And I, I think that was really smart at their, at this point to do so, um, you know, from, from the writer's standpoint, again, to be able to show that they're able to tell a story. They're not all just about supernatural or whatever it is, you know, there, there's no shrouded mystery in this. Now we could be totally wrong. I could be totally wrong. And some of the viewers or some of our listeners might have noticed some things. I certainly looked at Sarah's number 44 on the shirt. And, of course, being the way I've been lately, I, as the moment I saw that number, first thing popped in my mind. What does that mean? But I couldn't think of anything this time. I really mm -hmm. couldn't. It's not any of the the, the numbers. Uh, I didn't know what it mean, what it meant. I think it was simply just the design of the shirt. Maybe. So, uh, or maybe it was, it's such a straightforward episode. Let's just see where we can put in some of the numbers just to do it. But again, it, it it's, that's not one of the numbers. Well, four is. Yeah, but doubling up, a, uh, yeah, I guess. Maybe. Uh, hey, I'm just, you know, I'm just the messenger. <laughs> no, you're a co-host. You should be, you should be overanalyzing things with me. I overanalyze enough on every other week. <laughs> I could take a back seat. <laughs> All right. Um, so, yeah, so my number three for this week is simply, again, episode very straightforward. Not really a lot of new questions. No answers from previous questions, but no new questions have come up. It's uh, straight life and death, and that's about it. Mm -hmm. So uh, what about you? What's your number three for this week? So my number three was just the concept of people stepping up. Um, we had a lot of people that usually hang around in the back or they haven't been, um, you know, people that, that, that do a lot that are stepping up in a very stressful situation. Uh, the first one that I noticed who stepped up was Sawyer. Uh, Sawyer, you know, is usually bartering and he's like, I'll give this to you if you give me something else. And he gives everybody a hard time and, and he, he gave all of his alcohol willingly and wanted to go with Kate back to the caves to try and help. And that's a new Sawyer for us to see him genuinely concerned about someone else wanting to do everything he could to help. Um, and then I really enjoyed at the very end, uh, when he saw Aaron for the first time, the baby, we still don't, uh, I mean, we know his name is Aaron. Uh, but when Claire shows up with her baby on the beach, they paused on his face and he 
he looked so happy to see that baby. It was such a happy, uncomplicated moment. And, um, that was just really great to see kind of a new, a new Sawyer pop up a little bit. Um, I was really impressed that, that it wasn't a haggle for the alcohol. Uh, Jin was another one. Jin had no idea what anybody was saying and he didn't want to talk to son, but he did everything in his power to help Claire. And when Claire was scared, he had this amazing conversation with her and they were each speaking a different language and he was comforting. Um, he was comforting to Charlie. He knew exactly when to sit back and when to be a part of things. Um, you know, Jin really stepped up and I thought that that was fantastic. Sun is another one that's uh, stepped up, you know. Um, I don't know what if she has medical training, but she sure was the best triage nurse yeah, Jack could have asked for. Yeah, she was. Um, she knew what to do. She knew when he needed to take a break. She knew when to stop. Um, she did not hold back in her opinions. Um, I, I just, I was really impressed with son and, and what she was able to accomplish. And, and finally, Kate, Kate did not want to deliver that baby. Kate, Kate did not like any part of that. And she was scared. But then once she realized that she was going to have to deliver the baby, she became such a great support to Claire. And she said, you know, this is all of our babies. And, you know, that's great foreshadowing to what is going to be of, of her and Aaron later. But um, I, I just, I, I really, really loved how everybody stepped up for Boone and stepped up for Claire uh, in a very chaotic and impossible uh, set of situations. Yeah. And, I'm, you know, I'm glad you brought up the whole Sawyer thing, too, because it's not one of my top three, but it is definitely in my notes that I made for this episode in that how not, not only did he step up and give all the alcohol when Kate needed it, but there was no hesitation None. He did so. Like it was, he knew there was something drastic happening and he didn't even question it. He he asked questions later, but at the time when Kate had said, we need all your alcohol now without hesitation, stepped up and, and went to give the alcohol to Kate without even knowing what the situation was. Mm -hmm. So you're right. So this is a completely different side of Sawyer that we're actually going to start seeing now throughout the course of this uh throughout the course of the, the run of this series and it's granted we're still going to see a couple steps back to the old Sawyer every once in a while but he is definitely a changed person at this point he is willing to help when help is needed it's not just for his own benefit anymore yeah he seems more relaxed too i mean even in the scene before uh kate showed up on the beach and he was talking with michael and uh and and talking to claire <laughs> she likes me I know. He just seemed <laughs> relaxed, like he's settled into some kind of everyday life. And I think that we we are not seeing fight or flight Sawyer. We're seeing everyday Sawyer, right? Yeah. You see the, the side of Sawyer that people probably like a lot, you know? Um, it, it's that whole fresh start thing, right? Everybody yeah. gets a, a new start on the island. And just speaking of that little scene, it was so funny because... Uh, when he said, oh, do you want some fish? And she said, no, I'm not really hungry. Immediately I thought, yep, that's labor. Because before you go into labor, you're just not hungry anymore. That's what I thought too. Yeah. No, I'm just kidding. Um, I, didn't oh, think, okay. I didn't think that. <laughs> I was like, oh, good for you. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I went with it. <laughs> I bought it. Yeah, I bought it. <laughs> <laughs> 
Um, yeah, so I, I, I appreciated because I wasn't a mom the first time I watched this, um, or the second time I watched this, but now as a mom, you know, I, and, and knowing what's about to come and later in the episode, I was able to kind of fondly remember both times I almost went into labor thinking, yeah, you're, you're not hungry right before you go into labor. Like your body just knows, nah, we shouldn't eat right now. Um, you know, but also uh, tacking onto your point a little bit too, I, I think it goes a little bit beyond, uh, you know, everybody stepping up. And I, I also think it, you know, to add another step to that, it, it goes beyond stepping up and also goes to putting differences aside, even if just for the moment. Um, because, you know, Sawyer and Jack don't exactly get along, but he's able to put his differences aside because he knows Jack's needs this alcohol now so mm -hmm. he knows he's not going to impede jack trying to save somebody's life he's putting his difference aside giving him what he needs but on top of that you have two characters in Jin and son who are not talking to each other at all who begin talking to each other again because son needs to translate for Jin. so when it comes to the moments of thing of desperation and things needing to be fixed or helped these are two characters who, like Sawyer and Jack, were able to put their differences aside and at least for the moment and make it so that Sun was able to translate for Jin. I love that you just said that. I, I don't know why, but that really just touched me. I, I just um, I got a little weepy there as you were talking because you're <laughs> totally right. And, you know, Jin and Sun are, are my favorite little arc. Um, so it, it, I, I did love that moment very much. And to, to take your point uh, a step further is that you could say, you know, that the island, they're, they're less survivors and they're turning into a community. Yeah. Um, you know, they're, they're able to work together. And I think that the baby being born is a really great beginning to that community. You know, it takes a village to raise a child and you're going to see that on, on the Island, uh, as, as time progresses. Yeah, no, I agree with that completely. Um, so what's your number two? My number two, uh, is kind of going to tie into my number one a little bit, but I'm just going to go with one certain element of it. And that I mentioned at the top of this episode, there's no John Locke in this episode. But John Locke in spirit is in this episode. And there is one particular moment that I completely forgot about. Completely forgot about. And there is a moment where towards the end of the episode when Jack is trying to save Boone's life and he's ready to take Boone's leg so that he can stop the pulling of blood in Boone's leg. Sun Such tells, an intense moment. And what makes it even more intense is Sun tells him, you shouldn't be doing this. Oh, I know what you're going to say. And what are the <laughs> lines that come out of Jack's mouth? Don't tell me what I can't do. Where have we heard that from before? Like a million times from Locke. That's the, like his mantra. Yeah. So, I mean, while Jan Locke is not in this episode physically, he's there in spirit. And it's very interesting to hear Jack, of all people, say these words because these two people, I mean, are complete opposites so far to this point. And one is a man of science, one is a man of faith. So, but to see that there is a common element between the two of them in that they do not like being controlled. And it's... They also don't like to fail. Well, that kind of goes into my my number one as well oh. um so I, i'm kind of staying away from that a little bit but um 
But yeah, I mean, like, we're seeing that as different as these two characters are, in just this one moment, we are seeing a common similarity, one of the common similarities between the two. Mm -hmm. And just hearing those words come out of Jack's mouth, I had I had completely forgotten that he even says those words. I don't think I'd mm -hmm. ever clicked with me that he does. And then watching this episode, that was kind of like a a startling moment to me because I didn't realize that that happens. <laughs> so yeah, it was a good moment because I think you know, especially anybody that's following this podcast and and you know preparing notes and preparing to, to podcast just as a whole, you, you pick up on more stuff like that. I mean, probably the first couple times you watch this series, you think, Oh, John Locke says that. Right. Yeah. And, and then you keep going with Boone's death. But in this one, you're like, John Locke says that I have to write it down right now. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So it's funny what podcasting does to, uh, to your interpretation of television. For sure, or anything, right? And not only not only that, but I think one of the things I'm really liking uh, liking about doing this podcast the way we're doing it and doing one episode a week is, you know, we said in the very beginning, one of the most difficult parts about this would be to not keep watching, uh, you know, watch one episode and stop there and not keep watching. But in all honesty, as on all of my previous watchthroughs of Lost, with the exception of the first, because I had no choice but to wait for the next week. I would binge the series. I would watch mm -hmm. one episode. I would watch as many episodes as, as I could, uh, you know, in a day's time. I'm actually really enjoying taking a break in between every episode because it's giving me that opportunity to kind of sit and let everything that happened in that 42 minutes sink in mm -hmm. yeah. and, you know, be able to take the notes and talk about it. So I've gotten to a point already just in this first season, re the rewatch of this first season, that I'm actually enjoying the show a little bit more watching one and then stopping and then watching two and then stopping. So I'm actually really glad we decided to change the format of this and I'm okay not binging this show now because of this. Because I have a feeling that had we had I binged you know, another two or three episodes, by the time I got to like the end of the season, the whole Jack saying those words probably would have been forgotten. So yeah, you're probably right. Yeah, maybe. I don't know. So I don't know. I, I don't know about you, but I'm actually enjoying slowing the pace and taking this a week at a time again. Oh, yeah, I'll take anything off of my plate in the week. So I'm I'm fine with that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, what about you? What What's your number two? for this episode so my number two is just basically boone's death um boone's death <laughs> uh, all right. um you know i it's the first time a major character has died on the show um and incidentally though he does go on to appear i looked this up he goes on to appear in 10 more episodes which is the most episodes of any deceased character in the series um so, you know, that's, a, that, that's good. It, there was, I guess there was a lot of questions of why on earth would they get rid of Boone? And it was, um, it, the writers had said that it was necessary for John Locke's story to move forward, that Boone had to die, um, which is fine. I, I understand that. It's just, it's such a shame that this is what had to happen to a character that was really starting to come into his own on the island. And um, and I do agree with Jack in in a certain sense that, 
if it wasn't for Locke and Locke's manipulation of Boone uh, and, and this ridiculous dream that, you know, Boone would absolutely still be alive. Uh, I have a question for you. Okay. If Jack had known about Boone's real cause of injuries, do you think that could have saved Boone's life? By, by, and, and, and so I'm saying <sighs> if Locke hadn't lied about how Boone got hurt, would that have changed the course of what Jack did? It, so if if Locke had told him that his legs were crushed by something rather that than falling off he was off a in cliff. a plane that they found. We found a plane and the plane fell into the off of the cliff into a ravine because Locke didn't really lie. He did fall off of a cliff. He just happened to be inside an airplane true. when he fell off the cliff. Very true. Um I, you know what? I don't know. It's it's an interesting question because if if lack if Jack knew <laughs> lack if Jack knew <laughs> don't ship them. Okay. I know. God. Um. If if Jack knew that his legs had been crushed, which he does seem to kind of know. Um. You know what? I'm gonna I'm gonna take it. I'm gonna take a shot and say no. Uh, I think Boone was kind of doomed from the start and. Only because of the fact that it, he didn't know that the blood was pulling to his legs until he did a transfusion. Right. But, I mean, look, I, I'm not a doctor. I don't know too much about compartment syndrome other than what I've learned on Grey's Anatomy. Um, but I don't know what the difference is between falling off of a cliff and having your legs crushed by heavy metal and how that would change the course of action for a broken femur. Yeah. And that's what I mean. Like, I don't know. That's why I'm saying, I think he was doomed. I, I think he, well, I think Kate knew the minute she saw him show when luck showed up with Boone. I mean, Kate's yeah. face said it all. Yeah. I, I think I, I don't really, I think there was nothing he would have been able to do to save Boone. I, I, I'm, uh, that's my opinion on it. I think he's, I think Boone was kind of doomed from this from the moment he went over that cliff that he was, he was a goner. I don't really think what Jack did would have changed had he known his legs were crushed. Um, I'm, I'm, but then again, maybe he would have if he knew his legs were crushed, he could have known there was a chance that the blood would pool. So maybe he would have held off on the transfusion. So I, yeah, I, I mean, I, I I've seen know. like the and, and again, the only thing I've ever seen this on is in Grey's Anatomy. But I think you have to like slice the legs to get the blood to come out. Now, I don't know at what point you have to do that. And at what point it's too late or if it or if that's even a thing, because, again, not a doctor. Yeah, I just watch a lot of medical stuff. <laughs> um, but. I, you know, because because when I saw that, I was like, oh, that's like from Grace Natalie. He's going to slit his legs because I forgot what happened exactly in in that scene. But it didn't happen. And so I'm like, OK. And then when he said he's going to cut off his leg, I, I just thought this is just going to go horribly. <laughs> I, and then he's like, get Michael. I'm like, Michael, what is Michael going to do? Like, what could Michael <laughs> possibly have to do with any of this? And Michael just looks like he wants to be anywhere else but where he is. Well, and then, you know, on top of that, too, you you look at people like Hurley, and I'll tell you what, if there was any one character in this entire situation I felt more like, it was Hurley. <laughs> and Jack goes, I swear to God, if you say it right now. <laughs> 
But I remember the first time watching this episode being so engrossed in everything that's going on with Jack trying to save Boom's life. And just like, you know, you get to that scene where Hurley looks like he's ready to pass out and Jack's yelling at him not to. And I'm like, oh, I feel for you, man. Like, I, I totally get where you're coming from because I right. probably would have done the same thing. And then there's the whole part where, you know, he sets his leg and Boone starts screaming and Hurley's just out there covering his ears. And I'm thinking uh. to myself, I'm like, there's no way I could have even been there. I would have had to have left that cave if I was Hurley. I don't know. I mean, not, you know, not to get too personal, but uh, my daughter was recently hospitalized, as you know, and, um, there, she had to have some tricky stuff done. And, um, my son was really bothered by it. And he went into the corner of the room and he was screaming and crying with his, his hands over his ears. And all I, I, I did, I wanted to bolt, but it, you stay, it's weird. You stay, you stay because you care about that person. And granted it was my daughter, but I think I would have stayed for anybody that I really cared about and had grown to know. Um, even if your whole body is saying you want to run, uh, you stay. It's weird. Okay. Uh, I, it's, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm gauged a little differently only because I was a first responder. And so my mentality is more to go towards that sound than anything else. So it's tough for me to kind of gauge it, but just looking at the uncomfortableness that Hurley went through, I. If if I were Hurley, I probably would have tried to left leave the cave. Yeah, poor Hurley. So I mean, it's... and 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 the batteries are dead on his disc man. <laughs> it's true. So he can't even he can't even listen to any music to kind of drown out the sound. He can't listen to his rap music. <laughs> and I just love too during that scene when you know when Sun comes in with the tree branch and says you know use this for the pain and Jack's first inclination is I, I think we're past herbalistic medicine at this point. <laughs> And she puts it in his mouth for him to like, for him to bite down. I know. She's like, listen, dick. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, look, Jack, Jack was in an impossible situation that entire episode, just impossible. But he, I mean, I just, you got to hand it to him for being able to do what he did. Listen, um, dick. I know, but I mean, he was screaming at everybody. It's funny because in my notes, I'm like, Jack's screaming at this person, Jack's screaming at that person. Like he's just screaming at Hurley, screaming at Charlie, screaming at Son, screaming at Kate. He's screaming at um, boy, well, screaming at Boone for a little bit, you know, screaming at Hurley. I it it's so funny to me because his reaction to stress is to just start screaming at everybody and then and that the only time he ever calmed down was because half of his blood volume was in Boone and he didn't have the energy to start exactly anymore um which you know is another really great line that Charlie had later when Kate's like where's Jack why why isn't he coming like Jack needs to be here and he's like he's literally pouring his own blood into Boone right now he's not coming (laughs) Yeah. Deliver the fucking baby. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's just, oh my God. There's so much intensity in this episode. Great episode. You know that the writer for this episode only wrote this one episode. Didn't write another one. Really? Isn't that interesting? Yeah, that that's that's intriguing to me. Um, uh, maybe because he didn't put any lost flares in it. He it was actually a woman writer. Oh, well, I take it back. It's a she. There you go. Well, I'm fine with that. <laughs> I have no problems with that. No, I, I just thought it was interesting. <clears throat> no, it is. It's very, it's extremely interesting. It's, I, I find it interesting that somebody would come in 
and and only write one episode and i think maybe it's the fact of what this episode entailed uh you know being life and death maybe mm-hmm. this writer was the best one to handle that topic yeah maybe you know maybe she, the, she did an excellent job yeah I mean, it might have been the situation, you know, again, with the situation with the episode of where there was no lost flourishes on it. It was literally just life and death. That was a story that they were telling. Everybody else probably who was writing for the show was one of those people that, you know, was already in the lost mindset of mm-hmm. like, what can we throw in? What can we throw in? And maybe they just needed somebody who could tell a life and death story without putting any of that lost flourish on it. And that's why they handed they handed it to her. So it's like if Walking Dead did a bottle episode, but made it with everybody. <laughs> yeah. Like, oh, like X-Files. So X-Files has the uh, the myth arc, and then they have the standalone yeah. episodes. Yeah. Kind of like that. Like, yeah. here's an episode where it's only about whatever case this is, but then, the, like, the next three episodes are going to be about this over overarching myth arc of the entire series. Yeah, I, I think I think it's one of those situations where they they brought her in. They said, "Okay, look, here's where the story, here's where this episode's going to begin. Here's where it has to end. You write the middle." Like, and, I like it, and that's that's what they did. And and if that's the case, it worked. It absolutely. I, worked. I think it was an yeah. This was an excellent episode, followed up by really a fantastic episode. Anyways, I mean, uh, Deus Ex Machina was fantastic and then it's followed up with the drama the intensity and the heartbreak of this episode and you really have a great one-two punch here yeah yeah exactly and it can i mean and it's one of those moments where uh i mean we're getting ahead of ourselves and and talking about some of the the leftover notes that we have but you know you have this entire episode that builds on the drama of this of this crisis that is happening at the moment and that being boone is dying and how do you save boone's life and you know you can't save boone's life and at the same time a new life is coming into the world uh in the island as well and you get that really touching moment of everybody meeting aaron for the first time on the beach and then it drops down again and you get the next moment is the sadness of shannon you know Mm -hmm. with boone which as many times as i've seen that episode still gets me I cried. I watched it twice in 24 hours and I still cried both times. Just the silence of it and nothing but the the music behind Mm -hmm. it. It that that moment still gets me every damn time. Still got me when I watched it last night. Every time. But I have I have a connection as you were talking. Okay. Um, this is interesting. So Boone didn't want the medication to be used on him. He want he let he lets jack off the hook um he he's like just let me go it's it's i think we both know what's going on here jack is ready to use all of his resources on boone much like he was ready to use all of his resources to save uh the uh the uh u.s marshal Mm -hmm. who was dying and and that was and that guy said uh i i'm going to die like both of the victims had to say i I think it's too late for me. Well, you know what? Right? I'm I'm, I'm going to use this. Well, I'll let you finish your point. Sorry. I didn't want to jump over. That's okay. Um, but, you know, everybody around Jack is is screaming at him that it's too late. And and really, I mean, I, I think it comes to that question of when do you stop? Should he have tried to save Boone? When, like, of course, he, he triages him and, and he sees the extent of his injuries. But but when, do, when is it when 
you're in that sort of a situation that you have to stand back and say, am I really able to do this? I mean, the fact that, you know, one of them has to go to the ocean to go get a sea urchin just to get a needle to do a blood transfusion. I mean, that's the kind of stuff you're working with right now. And if he doesn't want to use herbal remedies on an island that seems to be full of magic, then then what on earth are you going, are you expecting to do here? Yeah. No, I, I, I agree with that completely. Um, but I, I'm going to use this to jump into my number one. Do it. It kind of touches base with my number one a little yeah, bit. Yeah, do and it, man. We're, we're seeing the return of Jack's hero complex. But I think it actually goes deeper than just a hero complex at this point. I think we are seeing, I mean, and I know we, we joke a lot about saying Jack is the worst and Jack is the worst. Because he is. And for the most part that he is. But I really don't feel like that that kind of qualifies for Jack in this episode. I have come to respect Jack so much more because of this episode. Granted, his hero complex is is back in full effect. He's willing to use all the resources. But I think that goes to show you, one, as you mentioned, Jack, like Locke, is afraid of failure. He doesn't mm -hmm. want to fail. Mm -hmm. um, but it also goes to show you that he, I think he is well put to be the leader of this group because he's willing to sacrifice not only all of these resources but himself i mean when nobody else was available to step up to do this blood transfusion he's the one that does it and i mean it gets to the point where like he's almost ready to pass out himself like he's in such a weakened state but he's still continuing to push forward and one of the things that I remember being a question going back is what does the backstory of Jack and his wedding have anything to do with this story? And looking at it more and, and analyzing it a little bit more, I think it's extremely important to this story because we're seeing two different scenarios where Jack was not willing to give up. And we're also going to see where it's going to lead to his downfall because we're seeing a wedding that we know at least now as viewers does not last. And there's even a moment where, and this was my overanalyzing moment of it is after the, the flashback of Jack saying his vows and it cuts back to present day. It's right as Jack is ready to bring the, the luggage carrier down onto Boone's leg to cut it. The very first scene you see is a close up of Jack's hand. It's focused on Jack's hand with Jack's face in the background out of focus. And I'm like, ooh, I think that's them telling us there's no ring on his finger. Like, this wedding that we just saw does not last. Mm -hmm. But it's his right hand. Mm. I thought about that, and I'm like, well, it's his right hand. It's not his left hand. That's not what they were showing us. Maybe it was, but maybe it's just continuity. It was the wrong hand. I don't know. But later on down the road, we're going to get more as to, I mean, we hear this whole story from from Sarah, a.k.a. Claire Dunphy from Modern Family. And um, which, by the way, another side note, do you know who his best man is? Mm, no. Have you ever seen A Christmas Story? Yeah. His, his best man is Scud Farkas. I haven't seen it that many times. Uh, Scud Farkas. Scud Farkas was the bully that bullies Ralphie, and then Ralphie finally goes off on him in the alley and starts beating him with his gloves and everything. Ah. That's Scud Farkas. <laughs> That's his best man at his wedding. His best man is a bully. Jack's the worst. Um, 
Jack is the worst. But, you know, we're going to we find out from Sarah during the speech at the rehearsal dinner that she was in a head on collision by an SUV. Very important to the future of the story because uh, it does connect to some other characters. Um, and Jack was the one that saved her. Jack was the one that never gave up on her. And it's because of Jack she is able to walk. And I think that kind of comes into Jack's mind is that he was able to not give up before and save someone. He kind of feels like he can he can do it every time. Yeah, but you know, I, okay, so I see what I kind of rambled for a little bit, but it's, it's okay. Yeah. I, I see what you're saying. And I think that it's, it's definitely worth mentioning. Um, and, and it is, it, it's great that he has that about him, but he's still a person that thinks that he is in the first world because how good of a leader are you if you're going to use all of your resources, including yourself as the leader for one person when there are 44 other people to take care of? And is that really a smart allocation of resources? And while he's barking orders at everybody and screaming at everybody and panicking, there's a there's three people out in the woods that successfully deliver a baby to somebody who is trying to hold her breath and keep the baby inside. No, and, and so to me, there's like this island can survive without Jack because without Jack, they were able to successfully deliver a baby in the in the and, jungle. <laughs> just, I'm sorry, I just like the way you said that. <laughs> successfully able to deliver a baby. <laughs> what I'm saying. But no, and, and I totally get that. I, I really do. But I'm looking at this again from a different perspective as in it's one of those situations where you just come under that mindset. Yeah, and like, I, yes, I realize it's not good to give yourself and to give all these uh, all these supplies that you have for one person. But it's, it's a particular mindset that people have. I mean, you look at, again, I, I bring up first responders. These are people who, when a building is burning, don't, nothing else matters at that point but to save a life. Nothing Correct. else matters but to go when everybody else is running out of that building. These are people whose mindset are doesn't matter what happens to me. Doesn't matter what hap what else is going on around me. I have to get in there and I have to save the day. Hey, look, I get it. That's fine. However, at the end of the day, they go back to their fully stocked firehouse. Yeah, and you're okay? absolutely they, you're absolutely right. Get more things, and this is what I'm talking about: the mindset. He is not on this island mindset where they have a finite amount of supplies, and once they're out, they're out, and there's 44 other people that are going to eventually need something. No, and, and I, I, I get that. It's just it's at the time when that mindset clicks in, clicks in. That's not a thought. I, and hey, I get it. I, I I really do. I understand it. I'm just saying. I I just don't. I, I don't know when is the time that you that you stop because I wouldn't want to stop either. So it's just it's mainly a question of when do you stop when you're in a situation like this one? When do you stop? When do you say there's nothing more we can do? You know? Yeah. Um, you know, you, you, you could think of of, you know, the walking dead when when uh, there are certain characters that are that are hurt. And in the real world, you, you know, repair a leg or you repair an arm or, um, you know, you do a, a, a simple surgery in, in today's world. Whereas in that world, somebody, you know, falls off of a building or, or 
you know, gets their arm crushed or something and you got to cut it off or you got to let them die because there's nothing you can do. Right. So it's just, when do you, when do you get to that point where you're like, we can't do anything except try and just find Shannon and stop the bleeding if we can and just wait. Yeah. But I mean, that, that, that's, again, that's an impossible situation. One that I hope I'm never in. Uh, Me too. I mean, it's, it's, one of the reasons why I just anytime but then, I, go ahead sorry no, but then ahead. Jack fails and the first thing he does is he blames someone else <sighs> hey and it is Locke's fault Locke should have been Locke should have been truthful he should have been truthful but did he murder Boone no 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 and, and that was did not. that was the point I was going to make when you said is it Locke when you said it's Locke's fault and I was going to say yes it is Locke's fault Locke was the one that encouraged Boone to climb up there if it wasn't for that the plane would have never came down with Boone in it but yes you're absolutely right and I agree with you completely was it murder did Locke murder Boone no not at all I don't yeah. I don't agree with that at all and and that's a pretty harsh stance to take with you know with jack maybe he needs to like eat a cookie and wait for the blood to return he to needs his a, brain. he needs a snickers bar yeah <laughs> he'd, he'd be hungry why wait <laughs> exactly jack <laughs> you know how you get jack when you're hungry <laughs> eat, eat a snickers better and he turns into i don't know anyone lord else. baelish no, he, he <laughs> turns into Derek Shepard from Grey's Anatomy. There we go. Hero doctor. Better. Hero doctor with great hair. He turns into McDreamy from Grey's Soulful Anatomy. eyes. <laughs> Eat that Snickers, Jack. Be McDreamy. Oh, my God. I'm going to make a meme of Jack from Lost with a Snickers bar. <laughs> <laughs> and you and I and some of our listeners will be the only ones to get the it. The only ones that understand it. And that's okay. I don't care. <laughs> It's like your pocket full of Hurley. <laughs> That's right. And I actually made that one too. Um, so I do what... have one more question for you sure. before we move on to my number one. Sure. What do you think Boone was trying to say when he died? Um, at what moment? Tell Shannon I, and then he died. Oh. You know what? As much as I would like to overanalyze this, I think this was simply... A tell Shannon, I'm sorry, or, you know, I think this was simply a way of him of saying goodbye to Shannon Uh, or, you know, tell Shannon, I I say goodbye. Like it's, I thought that he was, I love her. Like tell her, I forgive her or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think this was just him. I don't think there was anything secretive about it. I think this was more just him and, and his way of making peace with Shannon. Okay. That that's I, I, that's what I think. I like it. So, uh, but that leads us to your number one. Well, my number one is the B story, man. Oh God, we're talking the B story of um, Claire's baby. Claire's baby. All right. The whole thing. I. You know what? I thought Jen was the star of this show. Um. Only because Jen made. Jin made huge strides forward. He heard someone yelling for help and he ran towards it. Whereas up until now, he minds his own business. He keeps his head down. He doesn't want to be a part. He doesn't want to assimilate. Um, He ran into the jungle. He heard someone needed help. He gets there and he doesn't know the language, but he, he 
wants to help. You see it in his face. He takes that bag. He runs to Jin. He sees Sun, and he does not want to see Sun. He wants to run, but he knows that Claire is on the line, and he allows himself to be translated, which is huge because he is such a prideful character. And and in 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 this moment, he he and Charlie that they go back into the the jungle, and when Claire is at her most scared, he reassures her and she talks to him. She doesn't talk to him like, like he's deaf or like he's uh, a, a lesser person because he doesn't speak English. She talks to him like she would talk to her friend, like her family member. She doesn't care that he can't speak English. She just needs to feel better. And it's like they understood each other in that moment. And yeah. It was so beautiful. I think it was my favorite, favorite moment of the entire episode was that exchange between the two of them because it's just, it's it's that reminder that it doesn't matter where you come from or what language you speak, that emotion can be understood between anybody. Emotion is more of a universal language than yes. actual language. Yes. And okay. I loved it. I, I, I loved it. No, I, I can definitely see that. And uh, to a point, too, to kind of not counter, but kind of build upon this a little bit, your focus was on Jin during those scenes. Mm-hmm. Um, mine was on Charlie. And because... Charlie acted like he just had a baby. Exactly. And I <laughs> loved it. Like, there were moments, you know, and you could tell that... that Charlie and Claire have this connection, even though Claire might not remember it yet at this point, might not, might not remember all of it yet at this point. Charlie very certainly does. And, you know, there's the moment where he, he hears that Claire's in pain and he instantly wants to rush to her side. And Jin is the one that kind of like, you know, takes the, stops him and just kind of shakes his head like, no, this is not where. That was adorable. But even more adorable was the moment that Aaron is born the reaction from yeah (laughs) like the jim like with this big smile on his face sticks out his hand to shake his hand and say like hey congratulations like charlie really is the father charlie is like (laughs) somehow the dad of this baby and charlie just kind of well i mean if you think about it though Jin has seen these two characters together for a majority of the time that they're on the island he doesn't speak english to understand that they're not together thought about it that way to Jin. Charlie very easily could be Aaron's father. He thinks that they came together. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I'm sorry. That's awesome. Because you're totally right. He's like, congratulations. And Charlie like hugs him like he's. And then I just loved it because Charlie's parading uh, Claire down the beach. Like, look, look what I have done. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. I made a child. Yes, like Tom Hanks when he makes fire. And I made away. fire. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, again, like thinking about that, Jin may very well not be aware that Charlie is not Aaron's father because he doesn't know. He doesn't yeah. speak the language. Probably right. So he could believe that Charlie really is the father. And I think in a way, Charlie, knowing the situation that Claire is in and that, like, she's not, she doesn't have anybody in her life. The father is not a part of the baby's life, not a part of her life. I feel like in many ways, Charlie believes in his heart. He's kind of stepped up to be a surrogate father. And in many ways, that kind of plays out as the series progresses. 
So, I mean, while Charlie is not the father and he's very, I, I was as happy for Charlie pretending to be a father as <laughs> Charlie was to pretend to be a father. <laughs> to pretend yeah. to be sadly, a new sadly, this is the closest that Charlie will ever get to to fatherhood. So, yeah, you know, oh go God. with it, buddy. Well, Run with it. Way to bring it down. Well, that's what I do best. <laughs> Jack is the worst. Charlie will never be a dad. That's me Good. bringing the party down. Good Community God. wet blanket right here. <laughs> <laughs> Charlie will never be a dad. You are horrible. <laughs> I know. Sorry. <laughs> um yeah so i mean i i i agree with you completely that the whole the b story of this is just fantastic and it's a happy note you know to what turns out to be a very sad uh moment with boone's death so but i mean it just goes to show too at the same time that you know in death there can be life and you know it's strangely coincidental that these two things happen at the same time they coincide with each other but um you know and i heard one i heard somebody say before like this is a uh a moment of reincarnation and i was like nah, no not really because aaron was born before boone died so no it's not reincarnation but i could see with some of the religious undertones that this show carries how some people could believe that that's just my opinion yeah i don't i Whatever. I don't. I, I Aaron don't, is I not Boone. That at all. No. No, but Aaron Boone is a famous baseball player. Okay, then. Apparently, mm-hmm. one of the writers or showrunners or directors or something, I don't know, was a big Aaron Boone fan. And the, and I guess that that's why they the baby's name was Aaron when Boone died. Oh, okay. I didn't know that. I don't know. Yeah. I did I, not know that. I find out all sorts of cool stuff. Yeah. That's all right. <laughs> it's all right. Of course it's all right. <laughs> I like having useless knowledge in my head. Yeah. Why well, a podcast. Yeah. That's Do you have right. any notes? It's some for fun. Um, I have one, and okay. it's really not anything major. There is an absolutely fantastic camera shot in this episode that I absolutely loved. So much so that I rewound it just to watch it again. There is the moment where Jin is on the beach and he's working on the raft and he hears Kate yelling for help. And there's that moment that he runs into the jungle. And when he stops to kind of focus on the yelling and the help to find out where it's coming from, there is that camera shot where the camera literally is spinning around Jin in one direction as Jin is turning looking in the other. And yeah, it was cool. That is just one of the coolest camera shots. I, I, I absolutely, I've seen it before, but I love it when I see it because it is such mm-hmm. a cool effect. And it creates that moment of chaos. Yeah, exactly. Uh, without in, in a quiet moment, I agree. I it's funny because I had the thought when when he was running through the woods that whenever I'm trying to hear something and 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 it's in a situation like that where like the if like my kids are calling me or if I'm trying to figure out where like um, a shot is coming from or something, I close my eyes and I'd like focus on it. And then it, it's like, you have to like take away the rest of your senses in order to amplify the others. So I told myself, I'm like, Jen, close your eyes, close your eyes, Jen. <laughs> it <laughs> works. For, it works for me. Yeah. Well, while you were going, Ooh, cool camera shot. I'm like, close your eyes, Jen. <laughs> That's all right. Yeah. Um, right. How about you? Any other notes for the episode? 
So the only the only thing that we didn't really talk about that I thought was probably worth noting is um, Jack's alcoholism. I believe that it, we start to see kind of the beginnings of it uh, in the flashbacks uh, over the wedding. You know, he's sitting on the side of the pool and he's drinking vodka out of a pretty large bottle, and that bottle is not is not full. Um, you know, he's he's drinking at the piano and he's draining the last of that drink. Uh, him and his uh, best friend are talking about having eight drinks to get ready for, you know, his speech or whatever. Um, you know, so it, it's just interesting to me that, you know, we already know that Christian Shepard is an alcoholic uh, by what we've learned so far. And it was interesting to me to see elements of Jack's alcoholism start to pop up. Well, but he, here's a question that I have for you, though. And when it comes to Jack's alcoholism, when is that really prevalent in the series? Um, because for the life of me, I can't remember Jack being an alcoholic. When they came back from the island, I think he was drinking a lot when he wanted to go back to the island. And Kate was pretty much by herself trying to raise Aaron. And he was kind of just drinking himself to death. Okay, well, I mean, I, yeah, I guess, yeah, there, there is that. Um, but to me, that just kind of doesn't fall into the timeline because Jack's wedding is before the whole uh, disbarment of Christian Shepherd and right. Christian Shepherd's death. Right. So, so is this it, something that maybe was just kind of the seeds were planted that this was something he he was eventually bound to become an alcoholic? I think so. Okay. Yeah, I think so. I just think that it was because uh, all of his flashbacks have been focused a lot on Christian Shepherd's alcoholism. When Christian Shepherd in this episode took one swig out of that bottle, um, and Jack was seen drinking in every single one of those flashbacks. So we're so this is something more of like this is something early on early onset that has yet to just kind of come about. I think so. I, I do. I mean, I, I just, I always um, remember Jack being, ha struggling with, with, you know, excessive drinking. Um, you well, know, I mean, alcoholic it, father. And if that's the case too, then it, all, it could also be that, um, you know, you can look at it in a way of, that eventually Jack becomes more like his father than he wants to be. Right. Well, he is his father, in my opinion. Okay. Because they're both the worst. Yeah. Yeah. Des Combs. <laughs> oh, that's right. He doesn't like it when you go after Jack. No, he doesn't. <laughs> I forgot about that. Yeah, yeah. Des doesn't we've like started, it. We've started a messenger war. <laughs> yeah. Des does not like it when Kirsten goes after Jack. <laughs> so, I Des, if if it's any, uh, if it means anything, I only say Jack is the worst because I have to. Oh yeah, yeah. You're <laughs> no, forced. No, I, I, I agree. It's a, there are points when, when, when Jack legitimately is the worst. But hey, for this he episode, was excellent in this episode. Yes, I, I actually have. Okay, my very last note in my in my notes is, Jack was almost perfect in this episode. Boone was not murdered. Jack is blinded by grief of failure. That's the last thing I wrote. Because I did say. I got. I gained a lot of respect from Jack in this episode. In my defense, yeah, and, and I still yeah, agree with he that. He did pretty good. He'll yeah. he'll be back to being an asshole next week. <laughs> <laughs>
<laughs> well, at least we know what's coming. <laughs> and you know what? Knowing is half the battle. Exactly. <laughs> the more you know. Um. Yeah, but that's it. That's okay. All, all right. So no other no other notes for the episode. <laughs> no. You'll be back to being an asshole next week. <laughs> we we interrupt our regular asshole Jack programming for a break <laughs> as he tries to save his <coughs> life and fails and fails because he was murdered. <laughs> no, he wasn't murdered. Uh, no, but I mean next week's episode. Um, I mean again, we're like. We're we're going full fledged, man, to the end. I mean, next week the greater good is <clears throat> a Saeed. Is it a Saeed episode? Yes, it is, son. Okay. <laughs> no, you said Saeed. Uh huh. Not son. Bad hey, joke. man. Bad joke. Sorry. That's a dad joke. <laughs> Train derail. Um. So okay, yeah. So I mean, we're getting closer. I mean, there's still. God, there's still quite a few things in my head that I know we have to get through between now and the end of the season. I mean, we have the raft launching. We have the Black Rock. Um, we haven't seen the last of Danielle Rousseau yet the, before the end of this season. Um, oh, God, there's so much. There's so much still that's yet to happen, and there's only four episodes left to do it. So it's going to be interesting as we progress further on. Um, but let's shift gears for a minute and let's talk about manifest. Okay. <laughs> Jump into the manifest minutes. Uh, so yeah, so this episode of, uh, this week's episode of manifest off the rails, which was, uh, season, season one, episode six. I think it was off radar. Off radar, cut off the rails. Oh my God. You've gone off the rails. I've gone off the rails. That's what the name of this episode should be. <laughs> It's off the rails. Put it in the show notes. It'll be fine. Yeah, there we go. Uh, no, off radar. You're right. Um, in which is a heavy cow episode. Um, but, I mean, Ben and Michaela do play a very big part in this as well, as does Sanvi. So um, we're getting back to the core group of people for this, but we're getting more questions. And I, I do have a theory uh, that is kind of – building in my head and and I'll, it. and I'll put it to you um i have a feeling that as much as they believe the nsa and director vance are behind everything i don't think they are no they're totally in the dark you, yeah you saw that by the end of the episode they're they're totally clueless and not only that but i think they're gonna have an ally in vance soon now i <sighs> i i do think i i i think director vance is clueless i don't think deputy powell is i think his second in command knows more than what he leads on yeah that guy's a snake he is um but i think i think vance is going to be on their side and relatively like too, soon because I, i'm glad too because i didn't like the fact that jake is trying to you know fish for information to michaela and you know michaela doesn't know who she can trust right now and she took a big leap by talking to Jake. Um, Jared. You know, J Jared. Yep, Jared. <laughs> Jared. Go ahead. Um, I can't retain that character's name for some reason. If I'm not writing it down, I'm just, I'm lost. I didn't, um, I didn't say, hey, idiot, it's, J it's Jared. I just said Jared. I wasn't No, I know, but I don't like making mistakes. Uh, um, oh, God, you shouldn't <laughs> be podcasting with me then. 
<laughs> Especially in this episode. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, you know, Michaela and Ben, they both took a pretty big leap and told the people that are closest to each of them, right? Uh, Grace for Ben and, and Jared for Michaela. Yeah. Um, and Jared was a lot better than Grace. I mean, Grace Grace just disappointed me so much in this episode. Uh, you know, when she told Ben, you know, I I believe in magic planes that bring my husband and my son back from the dead, so I'm really I'm willing to believe anything. So he tells her what's going on and she immediately discredits it. No. Mm-mm. That's crazy. You're crazy. This is the stupidest thing I've ever heard. I mean, I get it. Like you're scared for your son, but your son just came back from a magic airplane and now he's sick and he's speaking a different language. And, you know, there are weird things that are happening. Your life is completely turned upside down. How is this out of the realm of possibility right now? Especially if you're ready to believe anything. Well, I mean, if looking at it and again, just being devil, just playing devil's advocate slightly, I'm because I'm on your side with that completely. But looking at it from Grace's perspective, this is her son who you're you're sitting watching literally dying on a table without knowing what the hell is going on. It's one thing to believe, you know, in magic planes and all this stuff that that, you know, they said. But when it comes to the core of your heart and everything that's going on. Do you, can you not blame her a little bit for being the way that she was? No, I can't. Honestly, I I don't know what I would do as a mom. But if he goes on the antibiotics, it it could kill him because it'll kick him out of the trial. Right. And, And your husband, who you're supposed to be trusting right now, is telling you that there's something that's happening to him and there's something that's happening to Cal and there's something that's happening to Michaela. And they can't explain it. And they were on that plane. And I would like to think that I would give my husband the benefit of the doubt here. Okay. No, I mean, and, and again, I'm, I wasn't disagreeing with. No, I know. With that. I, yeah. You know, I'm just kind of trying to look at it from both perspectives. And that's one of the things I actually really did like about this episode is that, you know, we compare the show to Lost, and that's one of the reasons why we're including it in this podcast. Manifest minutes. But we're, we're not. When it comes to shows like Lost and maybe the 4400, which, by the way, is going to be rebooted. <gasps> I, I didn't know if you knew about that, but they are. I did not know. They are rebooting the 4400. Um, you know, I'm really excited. Where you don't kind of see both sides of everything. You You just kind of see one side of it and you're expected to go along with it. And this show kind of throws that monkey wrench into the gears of that, yeah, this this is what these other people are thinking at the same time. And, you know, seeing it from Grace's perspective. Now, I mean, you're right. Where Grace is a little more hesitant to get on board than Jared was. But seeing her, I think the situation would be a little bit different where, like, if Cal had a slight fever and they were still at home and Ben had put all this in front of Grace, Grace probably would have been a little more acceptant and said you know, yes, I believe you do what you have to do. But the fact that her son is literally dying on a bed and nobody can explain it. I can kind of see her hesitation a little bit come through. I can see why her hesitation came through. That's just me. Yeah. I mean, I, I, and I understand that I, I spent the whole episode going back and forth with both 
perspectives and what I would think. So, I mean, it, it, it's, it's difficult to say exactly what, but I just, I just know that the whole episode, I was just kind of like, come on, Grace, just give him a little bit. I just think she's been kind of closed off anyways. You know, she didn't tell him about Danny. She didn't, um, tell him about Olive and kind of what they've gone through with Olive. He's kind of left flailing in the dark and it sucks because as far as Ben is concerned, it's only been a couple of hours that he was gone and he's thrust into this weird alternate dimension. Um, you know, and, and, on, but on the other side of the coin, you know, Grace has been by herself for five and a half years. Um, again, it's one of those impossible situations that you just, hope always remains fiction yeah exactly um and and oh god i had a point and i forgot it um <laughs> uh yeah i it totally went out of my head i had a point i was gonna make and i completely forgot but i mean it, another one point i wanted to make too and it was something that kind of made me laugh a little bit was there's that 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 situation in the beginning of the episode where michaela is talking to um, I forget who, who it was. She was talking to some woman at the beginning and how, oh, it's another passenger from the plane. Uh -huh. Yeah. And how, you know, she says that the she comes translator. home. Yeah. She comes home to be served divorce papers. And then Michaela shares her story of like her fiance married her best friend. And the, you know, the, the translator says like, why can't these men just keep it in their pants for five years? I'm like, they thought you were dead. Like it, you wouldn't want your significant other to move on if you pass on. Like, it's not like you were, you were like, you were away for five years. And yeah, but I don't know that I would ever be able to move on from a plane that just disappears. I mean, unless I know what's going on with that plane. Yeah. I mean, it would be hard for me to move on almost impossible, but, really. at, the, but at the same time, you know, it, we know that it was also hard for Jared to move on and it was hard for Grace to move on. We don't know the story of this husband that served her divorce papers, but I have a feeling he was probably a dick. Um, you know, the fact that Is he, he related to Jack, probably yeah, Jack and Christian long lost relative cousin, <laughs> cousin from second marriage. Um, <laughs> but, you know, the fact that he was able to serve divorce papers the moment she got off the plane pretty much means that he had them ready to go in case she ever came back. So he was probably a dick. But just that for some reason, that comment made me laugh. Yeah. Um, but I, I do remember the other point I was going to make. And I was kind of now it's, it's a little hazy because it's been two weeks since Manifest was last on. There was a week there was a break last week. And, you know, we're seeing this whole kind of broken trust between grace and ben and that grace is like she wants to believe in what ben's saying but you know her son is taking president cow's taking presidents over everything i thought last week when the episode ended we were already seeing a marriage broken and like a marriage getting ready to end and it seems like now all of a sudden everything's back to normal do i remember things incorrectly um i think that they're trying to i think that they were honest with each other about kind of what you know Ben 
Ben acknowledged the fact that she has had to take an impossible situation and try and make something of it. And he acknowledged that, you know, he had that she had another relationship and that, you know, she has every right to kind of mourn that relationship. I think that they both want to remain together. Um, and especially in a situation where, you know, their son is fighting for his life. Um, you know, I, 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 I think that we're supposed to feel that way right now is kind of what, what is, is their marriage up in the air? Um, and I think ultimately they probably will not remain together. I think that the show is setting up for Ben and Sanvi to be together. I saw that to this episode. I'm glad I'm not the only one that picked up. No, on that. I think that they're setting that up. I think that, um, Michaela will end up with Jared. Um, Eventually, I also think that all of this front drama is is kind of a red herring for what is really going on. Like, okay, is this like an X Files thing that's happening in the background? Is there where did those five buses or where did that one bus go? And what what's happening with those people? Why are they you know almost killing this man and then uh, you know escaping to somewhere else and um. You know, what, what, what is the NSA's role in this that, you know, that they don't know what's going on, but some of them might, um, I, you know, I'm so much more interested in that. Well, not, not only anything that, else. not only that, but now we're also getting kind of like the Dharma of the show in mm -hmm. that there is another company behind this, the company that. Um, that they that Michaela finds out was the one that you know contracted the buses to go in and pick everybody up. They're... There's always there's always a company. Do you remember uh, Prison Break? Prison Break. It yes, was literally the called the company. I was called the company, <laughs> and uh, in Blacklist, it's called the Cabal, and yeah. you know, in Lost, it's the Dharma Initiative, and you know, in Walking Dead, it's George Georgie's faction of people. Who knows? Imagine you know. Um, <clears throat> There's always a company. Yeah. There's always a they, as Tyrion Lannister would say, they, they, the proverbial they. But I mean, at the same time, too, we're also seeing at the end that uh, that company has their hands in a lot of different things that they're not even thinking about, including the technology that Ben is using to track everything. Yeah, right. You know, we get that kind of glimpse at the end that the 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 um, the, the system that he is using on his tablet is by that company. Was that was that a um, yeah? What was that company called? It's, United. I don't remember. Oh, <laughs> it, United Alliance Systems, I think. Something maybe, maybe I yeah I for the life of me I, just, I have I to don't look remember. it up. But yeah. I think that that's going to be our new Dharma initiative. I think that we're going to hear uh, the anagram for that. No, not anagram. Is that is that right? Anagram. The letter. Acronym. The acronym. I think we're going to hear the acronym for that uh, from here on out. I think that that was kind of like our little setup to the company that we're going to be dealing with. Yeah, no, I agree with that. I, and I think that's, yeah, I think you're right. I think that's something we're going to see play out a lot throughout the court, the rest of the show. Mm -hmm. So it's going to be interesting to see how everything plays out. Cause I know we're only on episode six. We're about a third of the way through the show. So still plenty of time for things to to form 
and and uh and take effect but i mean i know one of the things that you had said earlier on was you you didn't like the casting of uh melissa roxborough as michaela mm-hmm. um uh I, i'll tell you one thing though the character of michaela is starting to grow on me because she is showing balls of steel man you know when it comes to like that home moment where they're pulling over at that farmhouse in upstate new york and she's just like puncture in the tire and she's not afraid of these guys with guns and she wants to know what the hell's going on and she's not she's not afraid what it's going to take to find out yeah i agree i i i like the character michaela a lot um i i think that it's an interesting character i like it that they're setting her up to be kind of the leader of all of this um you know I, i i'm very interested to see what happens with her in the future uh so yeah, I mean, I, I like the character of Michaela. Um, Unified Dynamic Systems, UDS. You looked it up. No, oh, well, it's um, I'm on the IMDb page, and there's a uh, uni- Unified Dynamic Scientist listed. So it's it's okay. UDS, United. UDS. Di- yep. We're Unified gonna hear Dynamics. UDS a lot now. Yes. I yeah, I agree. I think that's gonna play into it effect a lot. Mm-hmm. So especially with Vance kind of onto their trail too. Uh, or at least not knowing UDS, but he's he knows that there's something going on now. Right. And it's a matter of, is he going to bring Ben and Michaela, or at least Ben, because Ben was the one that confronted him, is, is he going to bring Ben into the fold? And I think he will. I, I think he might be a little hesitant at first, but I think within like the next two or three episodes, we're going to see these two characters on the same page. Yeah, I I will agree with you there. I'm excited. I'm really excited. I I like how things are coming together. And I was watching it with my mom. Uh, She was just in town this week. And she goes, do you think that they like have a plan for any of this? Or are they just like writing this week to week? I go, mom, you can't pitch a show unless you have like a full (laughs) idea. (laughs) I go, they have an idea of where they're going with this. She goes, you think so? Because this is a lot of this is a lot of pieces. I go, yeah. Puzzles are great, Mom. A lot of this is kind of what TV's doing right now. <laughs> Did Lost have a plan? <clears throat> um, and as we're proving as we go through, yeah, I'm pretty sure they did. Lost had a plan. You may not like it, but yeah. Lost had a plan. <laughs> you, you you may not have believed that they had one, and you may not liked what the plan was, but they had one from the start. Yep. Because I mean, as as our friend Steve is even coming to grips with, he didn't think the show had a plan, and in listening to us, he. Uh, He's starting to realize that there are some things in this first season that don't play out until the fifth that Mm -hmm. he's starting to realize, yeah, these guys had a plan. (laughs) So, but on that note, unless you have anything else for, for the manifest minutes. No, I don't. I only that I dig this show. Uh, I dig it too. So I dig it. Catch it. (laughs) Let's move into, let's move into, (laughs) let's move into some of, where is that from? (laughs) It's from Dodgeball. That's what I thought. Jason Bateman. Jason Bateman. Cotton. Cotton. <laughs> <laughs> it's a bold strategy for him. Let's see if it works. Um, I love that movie so much. And Bateman's probably one of the best parts of that movie. He is the best part of that movie. <laughs> oh, God. All right. I kind of Let's broke. go into I, feedback. I, yeah, I broke away. Um, so feedback this week, as always, our buddy Steve, who we just mentioned, left us a voicemail. Um, he left us two, actually, like he did last week. He left us one for Lost and he left us one for Manifest. So first up, let's play his uh, voicemail for Lost. 
Hello, Ben and Christian. This is for uh, Do No Harm. I thought it was interesting that at the very beginning, the very first thing Jack is looking for is a tube to insert into Boone's lung. And if you remember in the first episode, I think it was the first episode, Boone was looking for a pen so that they could do the tracheotomy on uh, the the uh, the woman. Um, I thought that was interesting. Jack has a lot of faith in Kate that he sends her to deliver the baby. And... Uh, Jack's uh, don't tell me what I can't do um, was was interesting. Also, Shannon's I don't want to go back when uh, Saeed asked her if she wanted to go back again. Uh, Saeed so chivalrous, but also uh, hopeful. I thought that was that was a great line um, when he told her that he he was willing to wait. Um, this is a, a this is a good Jack episode. Like we don't really get bad Jack in this episode, or Jack's the worst. I mean, there's a little bit of ego when he's talking to Son and Charlie about trying to save Boone and them telling him that he can't and him saying that he will, but then him being willing to let Boone accept his own fate. Um, I got I, I cheered up a little bit when we couldn't hear what Boone's message to Shannon would have been. Was it going to be, I love you, or was it going to be, I'm sorry? According to the closed captioning, there was an I starting there, but uh, then, of course, he died. And I realized something that I think I hadn't ever seen before is that Jack is trying to recapture the hero who he was to his wife, who we're going to see him lose that in future episodes, and now... Here on the island, he's getting the cat the chance to recapture being a hero. And also, I forgot that we saw no John Locke this episode at all. So, can't wait to hear what you guys say. Talk to you later. Hmm. As confirmed by Steve, Jack is not the worst this episode. I love that. <laughs> I'm glad that that's catching on. <laughs> but no, and it's funny. It's funny he mentioned the whole. Uh, comparison of the the tube to Boone's lungs to you know Boone being the one that Jack sent to find the pen, and I did think about that, but for some reason I didn't write that down in my notes. So, but yeah, it's just, it, that's an interesting comparison to make at the same time. So yeah, I um I yeah I I agree with <laughs> most of what he said, and and yeah, Saeed being uh, hopeful. That's, I love that. I uh, didn't have expectations. Hopefully, maybe. Yeah, hopefully. <laughs> so, yeah, that's that. That was always that was good. And as we mentioned already, you know, no John Locke this episode, but they're in spirit. In you know, don't tell me what I can't do. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, All right, let's play his. Off, huh? Off radar. Yeah, let's play his voicemail for off radar. This is for Manifest Minutes, the off-radar. Hi, off-radar. Off-radar. Hi, Ben and Kristen. Um, I really like the NSA agent. He uh, he makes a comment when he walk, walks into the bar, the, the barn, and he says, I've made a lot of things disappear in my life. And I thought that was a really interesting comment coming from him. Um, I'm reminded of how young Cal is by seeing him clutching that stuffed animal in the, the hospital bed. And when... Uh, the one character said, buses don't just disappear. The girl said, why not? Planes do. Um, they mentioned Woodbury, and I was reminded of The Walking Dead. And I really felt for Grace 
in the hospital in that scene in the bathroom where she just breaks down and it just it really got to me so i really like this episode can't wait to hear what you guys think cool Steve, uh, I, I dig you man i love all of your voicemails i think you're amazing and i appreciated the voicemail for off raider <laughs> <laughs> just kidding Steve. off raider was my favorite episode off raider yeah especially the scene so in the much bar. better than off radar <laughs> or off the rails <laughs> as i called it earlier oh, um no i love when steve leaves know that he's also off the rails a little bit this week you know, that yeah. helps. off raider in the bar <laughs> not the barn the bar uh no and i love it when steve leaves his voicemails too i always look forward to getting those emails whenever he sends us the voicemails so mm-hmm. uh but if any of you out there listeners uh would like to leave us voicemail as well uh which we hope you do because we love getting the feedback and we love being able to uh read and, and play it over the air when, when we record but there are multiple ways that you can do that uh first we are on facebook at facebook.com slash lost revisited we are on instagram at lost revisited pod you can email us at lostrevisitedpod at gmail.com. And if you want to leave us a message, you can record yourself and send it to our email address like Steve does every week. And we love it. Yes, we do. Uh, last but not least, we, of course, want to encourage you to check out uh, all of the other podcasts that we have on both the Next Level Podcast Network and the Podcastica Podcast Network, including um, House Podcastica, Kristen, which is your other podcast on Podcastica that I was on last week. Yes, you were. It was great fun having you on, and I loved having you on. So if anybody wants to hear us talk about Game of Thrones instead of Lost and Manifest, <laughs> jump on over to housepodcastica.com, where uh, Ben so kindly made a website for us, and check it out. Yeah, uh, but on top of and that— you. Uh, I was just going to say, on top of that, you know, uh, Walking Deadcast is another great one on Podcastica, which— you know, with the the exit of Rick Grimes was a big week to listen to that that podcast this week. Mm-hmm. Uh, I know you and I have our differences about that a little bit, but mm-hmm. for the most part, I think we're in complete agreement that uh, Walking Dead is back to being one of the best shows on TV. And this past week, whether we we agree with the ending or not, um, was a phenomenal episode. Just, one of the best I've seen. Yeah, absolutely. Um, easily one of the best. Greg Nicotero did an incredible job. Yeah. Uh, But on my end of the spectrum with Next Level Podcast Network, I have, of course, The Spotlight, which is my celebrity interview podcast, which I do have a couple scheduled, but they're a little ways out only because of the fact that they're promoting books and I have to read the books. (laughs) So um, but it's cool because I like the fact that they reached out to me. I didn't reach out to them. uh, And and they're sending me their books to read, which is kind of cool. It's a new aspect of the podcast. Uh, but, you know, in the meantime, I'm still working on some other people from TV shows like The Goldbergs, and I'm going to start working on people from Brooklyn Nine-Nine soon hey. and, and, and such. And then, of course, there's DC Primetime, which is our podcast, uh, our weekly podcast, breaking down all of the CW Arrowverse shows, uh, Arrow, Flash, Supergirl, and Legends of Tomorrow. So, and Man. that can be, all of those can be found at Next Level, which is nextlevelradioonline.com. And I would like to say again that uh, Steve Brown has his own podcast, Panels to Pixels, with uh, Mark Kirkman on your network. Pa- yeah. So if, if you like Steve's voicemails every week, go and check him out on Panels to Pixels with our other buddy Mark. Yep, and they talk about the uh, the Marvel TV shows at the moment. They're talking about all the uh, the Netflix shows like Jessica Jones and Luke Cage and uh, and such. So uh, yeah, that's another great podcast that we host over on Next Level. 
Yes. So uh, any last words before we wrap things up for the week? If you voted, good for you. Uh, yeah. And if you didn't, uh, shame on you. No, I can't. I can't really say that. Shame. Shame. Oh, I wish I had that sound effect. Yeah. <laughs> no, just uh, everybody have a great weekend since it's Friday. Enjoy payday. Enjoy enjoy life. Get ready for Turkey Day. Woo! Oh God, Turkey Day. My uh, yes. And can we please celebrate Turkey Day before we start celebrating Christmas? Please, please <laughs> and thank you. Like, like I'm I'm tired of Christmas in September. Oh, I did buy some Christmas decorations yesterday. D buying Christmas decorations is okay. Don't put them up. No, not until not until December. It has to be December. But that's just. And my I'll give it till. Thing. Well, I'll give it till Thanksgiving because I mean that used to be the tradition was that Santa came at the end of the Thanksgiving Day parade. That was to, that was the way of marking that Santa has come to town. Not in September. Like I just <laughs> like I. I love the memes that like of the turkey screaming at Santa like back off fat boy it's my turn like it's yeah I, I, I don't get me wrong I love Christmas I adore Christmas one holiday at a time please one <laughs> holiday at a time I won't even listen to Christmas music or like I've budged to the point where I'll watch Christmas movies and listen to Christmas music on Thanksgiving but not before all yeah. right so Sorry, that was my my weekly rant. Yeah, I see that. <laughs> uh, but with that being said, that's going to wrap it up for this episode of We Have to Go Back. Next week, we're going to talk about The Greater Good, which is episode 21 of the of, uh, of season one of Lost. Yay. So, uh, be done. Yep, be sure to get that feedback into us as quickly as possible, and we'll be able to read it or play it on the podcast. Be sure to leave us a review on iTunes if you have not already and you feel compelled to do so. We would appreciate it. Uh, but other than that, I got nothing else. You? Me neither. Cool. Nope, I'm good. Uh, that being said, then, we'll see you guys down the road and further down the rabbit hole. See ya. Later. We have to go back, Kate. We have to go back!